Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Um, but let's get into today's word. Um, today I'm going to be uh, talking about, uh, we're going to continue the theme of ministry. And I've called this uh, message today, Ministry, the Simple Call of God. Ministry, the Simple Call of God. We have an increasingly complex world and yet it used to be really simple, right? In fact, the most recent uh, season has left many people that I've spoken to really with kind of like a sense of motion sickness. If, if you know what that's like, kind of like we're going here and then we're not going there, and then we kind of come back here and then we're going to go somewhere different. And it's just given us this kind of sense of motion sickness. And a number of people that I've spoken to have lost their confidence actually when I talk with them and they've lost their sense of direction and their sense of call within the simple ministry call of God. Uh, I once heard Don Barry, he's the, um, one of the pastors up in Hamilton at Gateway up there, and he said that the biggest block or bottleneck into the discipleship process was that people often didn't know what to do next, right? So in other words, they kind of had the revelation of God for today, but they didn't really know what to do next. So what was the next thing that they were going to do? So often they actually find themselves in a valley of indecision and inaction, uh, so what they actually ended up finding uh, themselves doing is grasping at straws and holding, hoping that something sticks with regards to this, this thought of ministry. But today I'm just going to use a very simple scriptural text to really illustrate what we want to talk about. And then at the end, I'd love to pray for some people, which would be pretty cool. Uh, so the, the, base, the basic of the scripture is Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 and 33. Now, the context of the Scripture, just to give you some context around it, is it's about Christians asking a lot of burning questions in their heart. They're asking questions like this. What am I going to do with my life? Will I still have enough resource to supply my needs in the future? What about the needs of tomorrow? And what about all the complexities that just bog us down and drive us to inaction and to do nothing? So let's bring up the Scripture now. Thanks, Willie. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 and 33. So therefore... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I always like that scripture. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. That's why you'll often see me just wearing a black t-shirt. I don't really have to think about it too much. Um, so we, we are asking these questions about what shall we wear, what shall we eat, what's going to happen. But verse 33 says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm just going to pray right now. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this message. I just pray that you watch over my words, Lord God. I pray that they would find their mark. And I thank you, Lord God, for gathering us here today, Lord God. I thank you that there's no accident, Lord, that we're here today. And I just want to thank you for that. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. All right, I want to start with a question. What do you think of when you think about the word ministry? I know for some of us, it will have a polarizing effect. It will make you feel tired. Other people, it's like, yeah, this is the thing we get up for. This is the thing we're about. What are the words or actions you associate with, with the word ministry? I have wrote down some words I thought you, that you might think of. Number one is missionary work. Anybody think about that when you think about ministry? Preaching. Mm. That's what I used to think of when I was younger. Ministry was preaching. Uh, singing on stage like Lou did this morning. Uh, running or leading a program? Do you think of the phrase burnout? 
Do you think of the phrase danger? Not going to go there. Uh, do you think of the word fun or maybe even the word calling? You know, back in the day, I, I was raised in a very simple church culture. I was uh, a pastor's kid in, at Richmond New Life Church. My parents shifted up here when I was seven. And uh, we would meet on a Sunday, and it would look like this. We would simply just worship together like we did this morning. Somebody would preach a message, and then afterwards, it would always end up back at somebody's house with uh, chicken soup, a French stick, and almost definitely a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Um, anybody out there who loves a bit of salt and vinegar? Yeah, anybody who's like, that's definitely not me. Yeah, okay, Michaela, I see that hand. Uh, flavors of chicken soup, by the way. For me, it was always chicken. Cream of chicken would be my favorite. Uh, anybody out there uh, like a good pumpkin soup? Oh, my gosh. See, I just can't do pumpkin soup. It's definitely not for me. Uh, any, what about tomato soup? Anybody for tomato soup? Yeah, okay, I could do a tomato soup. I'm okay with that. But, you know, it was definitely the best, but it was definitely a very simple time. We had no cell phones back then. We didn't hardly even have a phone. If you wanted to find me, like if my parents wanted to find me, they'd have to go over a drive around the street, around the block, and, David boy, where are you? And, um, or either that or else they would actually just have to cook a meal, and inevitably I would come home to eat that meal. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a foodie. I love to eat. Anybody else? Yep. Tana, you and me, bro, let's get the number 17 at Green Bamboo. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so basically, life was so much more simpler back then. And um, recent years, it's just been a little bit more complicated than that. We've actually gone from simple uh, to a complicated world and now into a complex world. I'm going to just explain the difference between all three of those. There's been a new study that was done that highlights how our homes and our lifestyles have changed uh, with, with regards to this. And this is a little excerpt from this thing. It says, boundaries have been in short supply the last two years. That's your, yours and my boundaries, right? They're kind of non-existent, especially in the home because bedrooms have become offices, dining rooms became schools, family roles morphed as parent became teacher and the child became a colleague is what they're saying. Uh, work time, school time, meal time often bled together into one long chaotic slog without the physical and mental demarcations that helped uh, uh, make sense of the day. Uh, and the nine to five thing became a thing of the past. Does anybody here relate to what I'm talking about? We literally had these, these things where it was just all in one. I know that. For Michelle and I, we had to end up putting some boundaries in because we know that we would actually work all the way through to 10 and often without a break and then we'd have to go, no, we've got to stop here. We've got to actually put some boundaries in. Uh, as a result of this... Uh, people basically just actually ended up in a, in a state of mental fatigue. I mean, as I say, this thing that was simple became, um, became uh, complicated. And I've got this slide here. So complicated equals it's not simple, but ultimately it's knowable or it's ultimately you can fix it, right? It's so simple, it's pretty straightforward. But then this complicated thing of not simple, but ultimately knowable and it's fixable. But then what ended up happening is they actually went into the state of a, of a, of a complex world, which is hard to control and it's hard to predict. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I've got a little bit of a control freak inside me, right? So when we went on our cruise for our 20th wedding anniversary, uh, which is a few years ago now, in fact, uh, later on this month, Michelle and I have been married for 24 years, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm on this cruise ship, and we start to get these winds of 120 kilometers an hour, and we start to get a little bit of a swell. We're only sort of two or three meters, and what they had told me was, is when you're going to cruise, 
it will feel like you're on a floating hotel. No, I'm telling you, it did not feel like that. It felt at times like I wanted to fall out of bed. And whenever I'm, and I've had chats with Grant Tucky, uh, where he's a pilot, and whenever I say to him, I get on a plane and we get those, those little bits of turbulence, I want to go and take over and fly the plane. Now, I know nothing about flying a plane, but I just want to be in control, right? So this sense of complexity is brought about the sense of it's hard to control and it's hard to, to, to predict. So what we either do is we kind of grasp it, trying to control every little thing, or we do the opposite and we go into shutdown mode and we say, right, God, you can't have any of that anymore. I'm just going to go into shutdown mode. Um, these are the questions that were asked uh, when we, this happened. Uh, wh- what am I putting up with that I no longer want to do? Uh, should I change my job? Lots of people did that. Should I shift cities? Is my husband or is my wife meeting my needs right now? They reckon that divorce has gone to, through to an all-time high since COVID. Should I, should I leave them? Oh, here goes a good one. Should I keep on coming to church? Well, you guys have made the right decision this morning. Uh, what do I even believe about God? And what am I on this earth here to do? The last question is a big one. It's pretty much all of mankind as we crave this one thing on earth above all else. And that's that sense of purpose. What am I actually here to do? What is the purpose? And in the search for meaning in the world is no longer just complicated but complex, it has become very difficult indeed. So that's whereabouts we go back to what does the Word of God say. And this scripture that we just brought up before in Matthew chapter 6 is this. But seek first the kingdom of God. It's a very simple thing. What is the kingdom of God? It's simply just the lordship in your, in your own life and giving it over to God. That is what the kingdom of God simply is. And I think sometimes we kind of get this thing around the wrong way, right? It says, Seek the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. But I think sometimes what happens is that we, we go and we do all these little things trying to achieve the kingdom of God. We do all of these little things that we can control and all these little things that we want to uh, um, get under control to try to achieve the, achieve the kingdom of God. But he says this. No, it's very simple. Just simply give your lordship over to me, and I'm going to give you a simple call, and I'm going to make your way very clear and very straight. Very simple. So what if I told you that uh, you had giftings in your life right now that will unlock your God-given influence and your God-given giftings? What if I told you that and you're called in the season uh, may be right in front of you in plain sight? So what you're actually called to, the very thing that God's put you on this earth to do in this season is actually right in front of you and in plain sight. God has a special calling for you. And I, and I wrote this down in my notes. I mean, He really has a calling for you. Absolutely has a calling for you. You know what? It is here right now. Here's, the, here's some questions I want to ask you. Number one, what makes you tick? Let's bring that up, Willie. Just leave it on the screen for a couple of, couple of minutes. What makes you tick? Or if you don't understand what tick means, it just means what makes you buzz? What makes you excited? What is it that get, makes you get um, focused? Well, guess what? This is the thing that you are naturally going to find easy and you're naturally going to find the most natural thing in the world. And guess what? This is probably where your gifting actually is. This thing that you naturally are excited about is the thing where your gifting is going to be. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, in the New King James Version puts it this way. says, A man or a woman's gift makes room for him or her and brings them before great men. 
or another version says, uh, brings them in front of important people. And I've always loved this scripture. I always think about, um, I met a number of years ago, Sam Walker, and I thought to myself, uh, this is a guy that has a gifting, and it's actually created a worldwide platform for him to actually be able to minister. And now he actually sings worship songs on his albums. He has got this influence like never before because his gifting made a way for him and brought him in front of great people, in front of important people. What is important? It, the important thing is people that God has directly put in front of you. Now, for him, that's hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. For you, it might be a dozen people. It might be half a dozen people. These are the people that God's put, put you in front of. Uh, I want to let you know this, that not many people are actually that gifted in the areas whereabouts you thrive. You are a rare and fabulous masterpiece. And... I have to say that over myself sometimes. I'm like, look in the mirror, I'm like, you are a masterpiece. It's such a good thing to say over yourself. But actually, what actually makes you tick is actually not what is gonna work for the person next to you. It's actually not, you think it's just normal, right? It's just the most natural thing to do. For me, it's the most natural thing to... uh, to uh, fire up a barbecue and to cook up a mean feed that's natural. For some people we've discovered, because we do these masterclasses, I've lost my bottle, we run these masterclasses and we've put nearly 900 people through these classes now because it's just not that natural for people. So they actually gravitate towards something which is actually going to bring some influence for them. Uh, you, need to go and, uh, you don't need to go and learn accounting if numbers are a jumble for you. You don't need to be a Lucani if, if you, numbers are tricky. You don't need to think about uh, preaching if communication isn't in your strength zone. And you definitely don't need to go and run a triathlon if you don't enjoy running. <laughs> and speaking that over myself this morning. Uh, I used to feel called to the church as a young person. So what I thought that it looked like was actually like, like preaching and teaching and itinerating, and I went out and I did that for a little bit. But, I mean, it was okay. It was good. I, we traveled internationally for a little while. Uh, but, you know, what I discovered was, was there was actually giftings inside my life which were far more important than standing in front of a crowd with a mic. Now, I know that my season's come back around because I've got a mic right here on the stage, right? So that season's come back around again. But I went through a whole, um, well over a decade of never having a microphone. And I think sometimes we think, you know, ministry, I've even heard business people say this before, is that ministry is, is uh, I want to quit my business because I want to get into the ministry. And so I said, well, what does that look like for you? And they say, well, it's, surely it's preaching, right? Or it's running a connect group, which it very well can be. But I, I want to say this, probably 90% of people in this room are probably not called to have a, a microphone on this particular platform, but you absolutely are in your own genre and your own set of, set of giftings. So it's like, what are we aspiring to here? It's really important. Here's the question. What makes you excited? What is something that you like that you know that you can do? Don't complicate it. It's very natural for you. This is probably where your gifting is. What makes you tick? Number two, let's put this up on the screen now. Uh, what is in your hands right now? And I don't literally mean like gum or your glasses or whatever, but what is the gift in that in your hand? I think a number of people don't know what to do next because they have a vision of what's in their heart and it's too big and they're wrestling with it, right? They're just wrestling with this thing. But God simply wants you to use what's in your hand right now. This is the order. Utilize what's in the hand, which means what God's giving you right now, your giftings, your skills, or your attributes. Don't try and do what's in your heart. I think that's a big recipe for failure. Yes, ultimately you're going to get what's in your heart, but you've got to use what's here right now. I just want to talk from Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 to 5 in the NIV. Can we bring that up, Willie? 
Here we go. Okay, so this is Moses. I just want to just talk this through. So uh, God's just called Moses, right? He is a shepherd. He grew up in Egypt. He grew up in Pharaoh's house, but he's gone out and he's been a shepherd for all these years. And he says to Moses, Moses, I'm calling you to go and get the people out of Egypt, and we're going to do this mass exodus. As we know, he's successful at this. But he's having a debate with God about this leadership challenge in his life, right? So it's quite funny when a chapter starts with uh, the phrase... um, Where is it? Here we go. Moses is struggling. Ah, oh, here we go. So it starts off with this. Moses answered. The whole chapter starts with Moses answered. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to Moses, um, what's in your hand? And he looked down and he said this, uh, a staff. And in my mind, I hear a 15-year-old teenager, a staff. Well, what the heck, man? This is what you see. Actually, what was in his hand was actually his shepherd's staff. He was still holding it. His identity was tied up in this thing. This was who he was. And God just simply said to him, I'm calling you to lead people out of, out of Egypt and into the promised land. But uh, Moses, what's in your hand right now? He says the obvious thing. I've got my staff in my hand. I'm a shepherd, God. This is all I am. I'm not a leader. So then God says this. He says, uh, throw it on the ground. Throw what you've got on the ground, what's in your hand on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he freaked out, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, no, no, go reach out with your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. It went back to what it was. Then this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You know, it's something which is really, really simple. What is in your hand right now? What is the gift that you've got? What is the thing that God's given you, which is the most natural thing that is to you to do? I'm going to tell you this, that right now, that, that if you use that, the next stages, the next phases will come because we know that this thing was sequential. And we also know that Moses also used the staff when he got to the Red Sea. He put it out over the sea. The waters parted. God continued to use that. He used it when he struck the rock and then water came forward. He used it to actually lead his people. He just kept on using it. Even though he was no longer being a shepherd, God was still using what was in his hands, which is just so important. Uh, This is the power and the act of obedience and the act of actually just doing what it is that we feel called to God to do. When we say yes to these things, then God moves. And I want to make this statement here right now about this. It might just seem like you've used this thing for all these years, But what is perceived as the mundane may actually be your strength zone and may actually be your ministry zone. What you think is the mundane may actually be your strength zone. Are you bored and uninspired by what you're doing? Well, I want to say this, keep on doing what you're doing because God is using you to reach people. God is using you despite you even knowing that you're doing that to reach people. Do you feel like you're just an accountant? Well, guess what? God is actually using you to actually make life simple for a lot of people, and which is what is complicated. I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe there needs to be a fresh facelift in your approach to it. Uh, but the mundane does not mean the unanointed. I'm going to repeat that. The mundane does not mean the unanointed. Pray and rededicate what is in your hand right now to God. Very simple. Here's my next point up here right now is uh, focus on your strengths. This is really important. Don't, in fact, I would say this, don't worry too much about the things that you're weakest in. I actually did, as part of my Bachelor of Commerce degree, I did a leadership paper, a level six university paper on leadership. Now, part of that 
it was I had to do two tests every single week. They were personality tests and they were strength profiles. And um, what you do is you learn a lot about yourself and about who you are and who you're called to be. And what I learned at the, by the very end of this paper was that if you focus on your weaknesses and you focus on trying to improve your weaknesses, guess what? You're only ever going to be averaged at those areas. But if you become a specialist in the areas whereabouts you're strong, that is whereabouts you have the most impact. Um, For me, my weaknesses were things like craftsmanship, don't ask me to build something, David. I've got to tell you, I can't, I can't do that, man. Um, believe it or not, I've worked on these a little bit, but uh, mercy and helps were in my bottom three. So if you come to me for mercy, I don't know if it's going to help, but go to Michelle. She'll be great. Uh, how are we doing uh, with, the, with the giftings test that uh, Viv did last, uh, handed out a couple of weeks ago? Has anybody, um, just a matter of, out of interest, has anybody actually done that test and found it to be helpful? Yeah, cool. If anybody ever wants to have a chat through that test and figure out, well, what are your next steps? Come and see Michelle or myself or come and see Pastor Viv. Uh, We'd love to sit down. We'd love to have a coffee. love to talk that through with you. Because if you're not sure where to next, like Don Barry said, what are the next steps? We'd absolutely love to help you with that. Working on my strengths has helped me to become an expert in a couple of areas and a specialist in a couple of areas of my life. Uh, one of them, of course, is eating. But uh, what does God say about your weaknesses? This is a really good question. This is one of the fundamentals of God. Second Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10 says this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about the weaknesses that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. For when I am weak, I am strong. So what does the Bible say? It doesn't say work on your weaknesses. It just says give them over to God. This whole thing of seeking God first and then everything else will be added. Really important. Number four, I would say this. Uh, God has given you your own specific set of keys designed just for you. He's given you your own strategy, your, your own thing. Um, I have a different set of keys to you. In fact, let's have a look. Lou, I'm sorry, but I stole your keys this morning. I saw them there and I thought, check out Lou's key ring. I mean, number one, is he a caretaker? Who needs this many keys? Seriously. <laughs> so I had a look at his key ring and I, and I thought, oh, we've got a couple of the same keys here. So... We've got a pass here which both gets us into our church, into the offices. Uh, we've both uh, got a key here that gets us into the gym. Uh, Lou, how many days a week are you working out? Fifteen. Fifteen days a week. You're an, you're an athlete. Actually, speaking of which, Lou was actually away uh, and got the bronze medal in the hockey team. Put your hands together for Lou. Lou and I are very different people. I'm not an athlete. But anyway, so we've got a couple of keys that are the same. And then there's a bunch of keys here that if I took them into my life and I tried to use them in the same way that Lou did, I wouldn't have a clue what to do with them. I don't know, I don't know which car that goes to. Well, I actually do. I could go steal it. But I don't, I don't know what these other keys are for. I, I, I'd have to try using them. So there's actually no point in me trying to replicate the, the keys that Lou has got. So what I have to say is, God, what keys have you given me and how do I make that work? 
And I remember as a young Christian and as a young preacher trying to be like somebody else who I respected really immensely. And it just didn't work for me because guess what? I wasn't called to preach like him. I wasn't called, well, I wasn't called to MC like him. I wasn't called to pray for people like him. It was, none of that was going to work for me. I had to figure out what were the keys that were going to work in, in my life. And by the way, they do change. Um, I never used to have to wear glasses, but now I have to wear glasses to read what, I'm, read what I wrote. Otherwise, I don't have a clue what's going on. I've changed houses um, over the years, which means I need a new set of keys for that. It's enabled me to do that. And I've changed uh, cars and things like that as well. So the keys that you currently have may not be the ones that are going to unlock your tomorrow. Right? You're going to have to actually seek God for, for that. And let me just say this. Uh, nailing your giftings and nailing your ministry won't come without sacrifice. If you want it, you still have to fight for it. It will still take sacrifice, hard work, perseverance. You may often feel like quitting, but you've got to be convinced about it. Good ideas uh, don't actually stand the test of time, to be honest. A good idea just does not, but a God idea absolutely does. You've got a God-inspired conviction that you're going to be there and that God's actually called you for the season. Now, if you're not sure what that is, ask, uh, for me, this is good, I ask Michelle, hey, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think I can, I, I can do? And then she speaks encouragement to me in these areas and vice versa. And then there's other things she says, you know what, you don't need to do that. That's all good. Um, Lou, you want to jump back up, bro? Uh, when I was younger, uh, I had this dream that really rocked my belief about myself. And it was actually like one of those nighttime dreams. I've spoken with David Riddell about nighttime dreams. And he says, um, if you have a nighttime dream uh, that's not, and, and it's trying to tell you to do major life change, that's, you really should take that very seriously and really seek counsel on it. A lot of the time, those dreams he thinks are like, they're a dream where you've had pe- too much pizza, a little bit too much cheese, a little bit too much crazy. So you've got to take them with a council of, of, of with the wisdom of counselors. But in this dream, and I still remember it really, really vividly. Man, I would have been seventeen at the time. And um, in this dream, I was really excited because I had been learning to play music. I was actually a musician. I traveled worldwide uh, with that, and we went to various countries and and things like that. But in this dream, I. Um, managed to get a gig working at this particular famous restaurant and I was so excited about it. And I went and I told this particular person in the music industry who I respected deeply and they said to me, oh, you shouldn't be, in the dream they said to me, you shouldn't be playing drums at that uh, restaurant. You should be managing it. You should be leading it. And I was just like, and I sat bolt upright in bed and I'm like, oh, what was that about? And it was actually about the fact that God was actually speaking to me about a whole different uh, set of skills that I had that, that needed to be developed. Now, at that stage, I had failed high school miserably. I think I passed English and maths just, and I hadn't done so well with it. But this idea that I could manage something or I could own something, for those of you who know me well now, know that that's exactly what I do. I spent 10 years being the general manager for, uh, for Annersbrook. And before that, I even worked as an account manager for a company owned by Warren Buffett, answering directly to the CEO. Now, I definitely would not have got those positions and I would not be doing the things I'm doing. There's a number of other things I could tell you about that would blow your mind, but I wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for the fact that I had to trust in God, that there was a calling on my life, that there was actually something that, was, uh, that I could do that was different to everybody else. Now, for me, it was like this. I could not only see problems. So many people see problems, right? Oh, here's your problem. You just need more people on team. Uh, Here's your problem. We just need more money in the budget. But what God had given to me, even at that young age, was an ability to find solutions. 
Well, that is the 101 of anything to do with management, anything to do with leadership. Somebody who could actually find a solution to a problem and quite naturally. So I would be in these discussions with these people and all of a sudden I would rise to the top of the company very quickly because I would, I would not just see the problem and say, we, we could try this or we could, we could try that. I mean, I remember I would work for a picture framing. Um, this is really weird. Eh? I'm actually a qualified picture framer as well and internationally qualified for... Um, and, and one day I came into work and, and we had this gallery that was all blocked off from the public. And one day before the boss came in, I went and took all the walls down and opened it up so all this light came in. And he came in and was like, what are you doing, man? Well, you can't do that. Anyway, that day we sold about $15,000 worth of artwork because people came in and what was a natural thing for me was not that natural or that logic for somebody else. Uh, I, I had to um, perfect that. I had to go and do a Bachelor of Commerce degree, which at age 31 to do study for a guy who failed school was incredibly difficult to do. And I just pause, not because of it being difficult, but because of the fact it unlocked something for me. It was just, just so good. Um, I didn't think there would be a ministry under the hood of the barbecue, but there it was. It's as simple as that. But above all, it's actually about one simple thing. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added to you. It's about seeking that lordship over your life. It's about saying, God, we want to get there. It's not about being qualified first. It's not about having the goods. It's not about having it all together to say, hey, I'm so good, I can minister and I can do something. It's about saying, God, take what I've got and use it. So good. What is the kingdom of God? It is about reestablishing the lordship of Christ in your life. Is He the centre? Is He centre? So I've just simply got this here and then I just want to pray for some people. Come back to the basics. Answer the question, what makes you tick? What is in your hand right now? Focus on your strengths. Don't worry too much about your weaknesses. Let God do something with that. And then God has given you a specific set of keys designed just for you. And above all that, it's about just seeking the kingdom of God. Simple as that. And that simply is my message today. Ministry, the simple call of God. So good. Yeah, you can clap if you want to. It's okay, clap for Jesus. It's always interesting, eh? Because you're like, do we salt and pepper clap it or do we get this some, some, some stuff? Hey, um, I've just got some, uh, some, some words. Actually, I want to just speak over a couple of people. I just wonder if we can just shut our eyes just for a moment. Just, just give what we've got to God here. Yeah, so I was woke up this, um, early this week and I just started to write down some of these words in the small hours of the morning as I was just praying. Um, they're very simple words, so here they are. So this might be for somebody to dream again. There is somebody here that has lost the ability to dream through disappointments and through exhaustion and through what you have perceived as unanswered prayer, the fatigue has set in. As a protection mechanism, you've shut God out and the ability to dream has simply stopped and you've recognised that. But God is calling you to trust Him again, to ask Him again and to seek Him again. He is faithful, even in what you have sensed is a numb season. I wrote that phrase, numb. 
And I felt like God said that's going to be triggering for somebody, that word numb. And that's been a numb season and He is doing a process. He's been putting things into place and He is doing an incredible work in your life. And if that's you right now, you, you can uh, come and get prayer afterwards. But Lord, I just pray for that person. I pray, Lord God, that they would dream again. Lord, I pray that you would be with them again, Lord God, and all that, all that you're doing in their life. I thank you for that. Number two, I've, I felt to pray for somebody with financial hardship. Someone here is struggling with finances. And I mean, let's be honest, in this season, it's hardly a word, right? That could be all of us. But actually, this, in this case, it is actually a specific word for somebody that you're struggling with financial hardship. God wants you to know that He sees your struggle, that He hasn't left you and He will never let you down. He wants you to know that you can trust Him. He wants to remind you of the things He has done for you in the past. And He also wants to remind you of the things that you've seen Him do for others. He wants to let you know that He can and He will do that for you too. So Lord God, whoever that is right now, I just thank You, Lord God, uh, for your grace in their life. Lord God, for your leading in their life right now, I thank you that you are gonna do something over and above, Lord God, immeasurably more than they can hope and dream for. So I thank you for that today, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Um, Guys, I hope this is okay, but for uh, Tana and Rena, um, I just got a word for you guys. Rena, I saw a picture of you standing before God and I saw you singing lifting your worship to God and I don't even know if it's something that you do like I'm sure you worship but I don't know you're a singer but Tana I saw you pondering the things of a spiritual nature and inquiring and asking God specific questions and then I saw that you had the ear of God and that you had His attention then I saw His smile and His love for you and that He wanted you to let you know that He heard your cry and He came directly into your world like never before your invitation your worship was what invited Him in your simple requests were answered and He responded to your heart for more. The season you were in and your decision to be in Nelson is no accident. God has been calling you back to Himself over the season. And the presence of God is in your home, through your business, through your finances, and it's gonna be there like you've never experienced before. Thank you, Lord God. So Lord God, today I thank you, Lord God, for Tana, for Rena, for Florence. And I pray, Lord God, for a blessing, Lord God, upon the season. I pray for a blessing upon their life. Thank you, Lord God, that you will do more and over miserably, Lord God, than what we hope for. Thank you, Lord. And uh, lastly, and then I'll invite Vic to jump back up, is actually a prayer actually for Kim and Andy McDonald. Um, hope this is okay, guys. But I saw a picture of the simple everything days that you do, everything day, um, everyday things that you do. Things like, simple as emails, uh, doing the accounts, going for a walk, uh, fixing things in the garage, and then I saw you asking God about the call they have for your life. And then I heard God say, I'm still calling you yet for more to go deeper in Him. It's like you've asked about the complexities of all that's been going on and God is saying to keep coming one step at a time, that it will be Him that guides and orchestrates each step. The complex is gonna become simplified. Lord God, so I thank you, Lord God, for Kim and Andy right now. Lord God, I just pray for a real blessing, Lord God, upon their home. Lord God, upon the business, Lord God, I speak, Lord God, growth, Lord God, sustained growth, Lord God, in that business. I thank you, Lord God, for the influence that you've given Andy, Lord God. I thank you that you've given him um, a calm wisdom, Lord God, a way to communicate. And I wanna thank you, Lord God, for that gifting in his life. And Lord God, we just wanna thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.